0: This podcast may contain content that is sensitive for some listeners. If you or someone you know is in a suicidal crisis or emotional distress, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, The Lifeline, at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Crisis workers are available 24 hours a day. Calls are free and confidential. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: what do you get nervous every time you get nervous about? I it. don't
2: know why. There's something about this.
0: Here we go in five, four, three, two,
2: one, action. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I got the whole thing out, Matthew. Yes, that was so good. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian. I live in Hollywood, and sometimes I get things right.
0: <laughs> and I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor, psychotherapist, and Alec gets very nervous every time we count down to start the show.
2: I <laughs> do, you? and then and then I turn into mush mouth, and it's but you know at this point we're not correcting it anymore. It's it's no. about authenticity and. It's, but- Right. If I mess up the intro, then that's it. You look terrific.
0: Oh, thank you so much. So do you.
2: Are you are you still languishing? Are you still uh <laughs> in the pandemic dumps?
0: <laughs> languishing. oh uh, I feel I feel flavors of language. I yeah, mean, me too. It uh, do you wanna do you wanna say what you've learned about what language is?
2: Um yes, uh it is uh somewhere on the 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 scale of from thriving. Yes. To uh, what's at the, the bottom? Anguish, anguish. L- anguish, Yes, is in the middle. That in, in it, they they talked about in this New York Times op-ed that. Um, The sameness of the days of the pandemic and everything have put us in this place where we're just kind of like we're not completely depressed. We're just kind of existing, and it's kind of like uh, they termed it languishing.
0: Yes, languishing. Did we talk about that before in one of our shows? Okay, good. So we've covered that. Okay, Uh great. Languishing. So yeah, uh, I'm. I I feel. I, I would say I feel actually pretty content. I feel pretty mm. content, yeah, I'm, right. not, I'm not languishing right now.
2: All right. <laughs> I've been uh, working out with a personal trainer in the morning.
0: Oh, how's that been going? At
2: seven o'clock. It's great, but what happens is I'm exhausted by one, because yes. if you get up at six, then you feel like you've had a real, look at my bicep. Are you Whoa, pissed? come on, come on. Yeah, How's that for a thirst <laughs> trap? Um, so we have a great guest on today, who's uh, who's a, a good friend, but it's his, his Daniel Francis. Yeah. From Looking and Mean Girls. Yep. Wonderful actor. And I'm excited. He's an activist and he's, uh, he is a, a body activist. Yes. You know, and he is about uh, diversity and he's a great stand-up comic. But there's so many things about him that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things we're going to talk about today that I didn't know about Matthew was that he was in conversion therapy. I didn't know that either. Neither did I. And he was, uh, he was born, he was raised in a a, in a faith-based household. Yeah. Um, were you?
0: I was not. So, I mean, I was raised, you know, like quasi religious you know I would go to like uh, I grew up Catholic and went to CCD and did all that you, my oh first, you went
2: to CCD you went to yeah, catechism
0: that's right my first communion and uh, confirmation and all of that and pretty much after confirmation it was just like done like we didn't have to do anything anymore but it was really I mean my family was not active in the church at all my mom did it just to give us like some kind of structure right. around like spirituality or faith or religion but it really was nothing that was super enforced so I didn't I didn't grow up with that kind of hammered into to me. Um, so I don't have the same kind of mm. trauma response to religion like a lot of other queer people do. Right. Um, but I absolutely understand that. Right. Um, yeah. What about you? Were you
2: raised mm. religious at all? I well, I was raised Catholic. We grew up across the street from St. Brendan's church. And my father was hmm. the type of person who went every fucking day oh <laughs> 8 a.m. <laughs> and sometimes made us go too. and then we had to go because a church was across the street. We had to go all four of us every single day. Oh my god! Every not not every every day day. not not every day every Sunday. I don't Sometimes, do anything every Sunday. yeah. No, <laughs> did you? So you guys were like Easter, Christmas, church people. Like
0: that's it. That's that's it. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, my mom. I mean, my mom wasn't even Catholic. We just went because my because my dad was, and she was like, okay, well, I guess we can. do Oh, so that. your dad was Catholic. <laughs> yeah, Ms. but Ms. he didn't even go to the church. So oh. it was just like we just kind of did it because it was like you know it, it so was. a So neither for us to one do of it.
2: your parents were particularly religious. Not
0: religious. Not mm-hmm. like uber uber spiritual. There there, uh, were, there really wasn't a whole lot of like faith based conversations happening in my house mm. no. Yeah. no was it I'm was not- it i mean was it very very heavily faith based in yours?
2: Yeah, because the Philippines was like a Catholic, uh, was a Spanish colony for 400 years. Right. And what the Spaniards did to them was, you know, beat them into Catholicism. Yeah. And so, um, and because life in the Philippines is really arduous, you know, there's a monsoons and earthquakes and there's poverty. Right. They are in turn very spiritual people. Yeah. Some, you know, in um as a survival mechanism. Yeah. In, in some ways, the way the people in India have a very strong sense of Uh, spirituality because life on this plane is so arduous. You have to find some kind of like higher belief in order to uh, make life endurable. And so I get it. I get it on a gut level. Um, I'm not very Catholic. I honestly, I never thought God cared about who I had sex with. I never had that.
0: So what was your experience growing up, especially as a gay person? Did you, did you feel like for you yourself, it was beaten into you?
2: Um, uh, beaten into me, <laughs> <laughs> hammered into me. Hello. Um, um, yeah, like it was, it, it was, it wasn't, um, uh, they, they always said, uh, Catholics are taught what to think, not how to think.
0: Oh, that is, yeah. I, I have, I'm not going to speak too broadly, but I found that to be very true for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. That, yep. um, like, uh, you know, in, uh, A. uh, uh In Judaism, well, because I I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood, all of the kids, it was all philosophical. It was all questions all the time. You were allowed to question. You were allowed to challenge. And in Catholicism, it's like, nope, this is the way it is. And Catholics don't even read the Bible. The priests are like, we've got this. This is too complicated. We're just going to dole out a little piece at a time and explain it to you. Um oh by the way this is a mental health podcast folks if you're if you're tuning in it's not a religious podcast we don't normally go here <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, download and subscribe
0: <laughs> <laughs> but i was actually the, my next question to you is going to be how do you feel like it impacted you how much did it
2: uh, impact okay, your mental is, health okay this is this is what i think i've discussed this before i you know right before i turned 30 my whole life went down the drain i lost mm-hmm. all my money my boyfriend broke up with me and my mother died and it, uh, there was a turning point where I was really kind of looking upwards to heaven and I was thinking in a Catholic way what did I do to deserve yeah. this yeah to deserve this all at once what is where's my place on the karmic wheel and yeah. then I realized people die that had nothing to do with anything I could have ever done mm-hmm. um I trusted somebody with my money who I shouldn't have that was my I took responsibility, accountability, and and nobody told me to date that horrible man at gunpoint. So those were all based on choices and things that were, one, choices I made, and the death of my mother was something I had no control over. And to think that I had something to do with it was magical thinking. Right. So, and that was the turning point for me with Catholicism. All of a sudden I realized, one, I thought like a Catholic. I thought like a Catholic that if something bad goes on in my life, I did something to deserve this. Yes. That Jesus is keeping score somehow. God is keeping score. And if I'm shitty, then he's going to shit on me. And if I'm good, he's going to reward me. And then I no longer believe that anymore. Yeah. I just just no longer believe that. I believe in being a good person. Yeah. I believe that um, spiritually you know, with this life is we go through life, we die. Let's just leave the place a better place than when you got here.
0: Yeah, well, I think what you said earlier really rings true and struck a chord for me, too, which is that, you know, that there's a lot of religions that teach you what you just should believe and just buy it wholesale, don't Uh question anything, don't Mm -hmm. think critically. And that's problematic um, because there are so many religions that really will just kind of beat into you, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And it becomes this judgment as opposed to an assessment of life and and, and a guide Mm -hmm. to help you navigate things. And, you know, the thing the thing to remember is that, you know, if you really kind of think of like the essence of, of what true kind of faith or spirituality is, that's very separate from what ego and a human framing of all of that. Is too and things like you know religion and catholicism specifically is is man-made right like a lot of the doctrine and the dogma and everything that kind of gets beaten into us like we have to remember that it's through the filter of other human beings yeah and so there's going to be a lot of a lot of that shit that's uh not really good yeah. for us
2: i mean we're talking about a text that was you know thousands of years old that went through the anglican church yes that went through the filter of saint james yeah and then whoever had it after that so it's kind of like Catechism for me—I had to go to CCD also. Did they? Yeah. they and they basically would have like a, a, a flyer, a pamphlet that you read through at the beginning, and then for the rest of it, we'd watch Davy and Goliath cartoons. <laughs> Do you remember those acclamation things? <laughs> Gee, Davey. Uh, yeah,
0: remember I kind didn't really pay attention too much in CCD. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And it was it was in another Catholic it was in the, a Catholic school across the street. So I would look through people's desks, yeah. and stuff. And yes, yeah, so oh my god, me like, too. Yeah, because you'd go
0: in because like the 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 like I don't know the other kids that went to Catholic school every day. so yeah, we would be yeah. sitting at their school their, at their, their desk. desk. Once, yeah, once yeah. A, once a week during the nights, so you'd go through all their personal belongings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of these kids think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was my favorite part uh, oh, of so Catholic funny. education ransack yeah. and nosing through other people's medicine cabinets, basically.
0: But I think the best thing, I think the best thing about getting older is getting, you know, having the ability to think a little bit more critically and being able to use religion, any kind of perspective, spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. religious perspective really as kind of like a consultation like you're checking in you're hearing information and then you get to consider what really kind of works or what doesn't what really aligns with what works for you as mm. opposed to just kind of like as opposed to just kind of automatically taking it in because then we have we don't have the ability to manage the shit that gets internalized within us and especially with a lot of religions that really kind of want to beat it into you and tell you what's right and wrong especially ones that tell you that being gay or queer in any capacity is wrong and sinful and you're gonna to go to hell it's like that's bullshit and that really can leave a traumatic impact on us mm. that you know mm. it's difficult for us to have to break through that chain
2: beat it into you yeah you're obsessed with that phrase
0: i got it from you <laughs> you said it <laughs> Said it no, first. I did not. No, I said, no, you said, everybody pause at this moment, <laughs> rewind to the start, and listen again. You, Alex said it was, Alex said the religion was beaten into him and you into said, his family Hammered into you.
2: Listen, we no, have a. Oh,
0: great- you said beaten, and then you said <laughs> hammered when I said be- I didn't grow up with that kind of hammered into me. Hammered
2: into me. <laughs> 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 I love you so much. We have a great guest today. We're going to talk to Daniel Franzese, actor, activist, and friend. We'll be right back.
0: (laughs) We are really looking forward to our guest today. He's an actor, comedian, writer, and activist. You may know him from his starring role as Damien in the hit movie Mean Girls and, of course, the lovable Eddie on HBO's Looking.
2: So good on that. He is the creator of several live comedy shows and co hosts the podcast Yes Jesus, which is a faith and sexually affirming podcast that believes you don't have to pick between gay and God. Welcome okay. to the show, our friend Daniel Franzese. Yeah, Yay Yay. <laughs> You taught me how to say your name properly. You would say it's like Friends AC, like right, a Friends like, I don't Air Conditioning.
1: I don't have my own air conditioner. I have to use my friend's AC. Oh, <laughs> friend's AC. Yeah, I love they'll it. never. RuPaul made that up, actually. Yeah.
2: <laughs> never mispronounce it again. Now, listen. I've known you for a hot minute. Uh, we we've hosted events together. We perform together. I never knew you were in conversion therapy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not something that you're like bring up all the time. Um, <laughs> and it was <laughs> chicken <laughs> it was, or the fish. Well, the fish. I was in conversion <laughs> therapy for about <laughs> nine months in the my, when I was twenty one. <laughs> you know i put myself in conversion therapy yeah
2: nine months yeah and this was this was self-voluntary you kind of yeah you know
1: the way i kind of saw it was like if you're having like a problem with like ringing in your ear you don't just go to your general practitioner you try to find a a specialist i was like i want to have i want to know somebody that is a specialist on the subject. Because it's not brought up a lot, and some people have negative thoughts, and I don't really want to listen to them. I want to hear. I know gay people. I like gay people. I just want to be diagnosed as gay. Like I want to be told that that's what's going on with me. And if it was something that I could get out of,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. how
1: old were you at the time when when this was really? 20, I was twenty 21, twenty one. Oh, okay. Twenty one. Yeah, I had just started my career in musical theater. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to be a heterosexual in
2: musical theater. Yes,
0: musical theater inspiring
1: heterosexuality. Basically, (laughs) basically, yeah. Um, I was working as a singing waiter at a restaurant when I wasn't doing plays and I had a girl there and she became my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I had had sex with a girl before in college and her her and I started dating and I, I was used to always picking the girl that, was like the virgin in college that wanted to wait so long. So it made me look like I was occupied or right. falling in love with the girl who already had a boyfriend that has been, she's been with for five years. Mm. So I don't have any, you know, I'm just like, damn, I don't care. I only care about her. You know, it was, yeah. it was like having someone to, pi- <laughs> to pine after um, her. Yeah. But so I dated this girl. And on our second date, she told her friend, like, I can't believe we didn't even have sex yet. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like this is gonna happen real fast you know and yeah. when it, when it got down to it i was just like why can't i do this and so i came up with this elaborate plan um that i would tell my grandmother that i was having erectile dysfunction and maybe she could get my grandfather to get viagra and give it to me and then i could have sex with my girlfriend i was gonna uh... even just medically stop myself mm, from being coming great. up with yes. a solution yes mm. yes yeah like things was to it- fix was it yeah.
2: because the thought of being gay was just kind of like, I don't want to be that? And and what were the thoughts behind that? Because I feel like my version of that was in high school. It was like there was a girl who wanted to be my girlfriend and wanted to have sex with me. And I was like, this is my chance. Like, I remember mm. thinking the thoughts that this is my chance to be kind of a, a regular person. But it always
1: felt like a costume. It always felt put yeah. on to me. You know, I, I've always been a romantic, like or even when I was a small, small child, yeah, I, I, I loved romance. I used to be like, when I get married, my mom said she knew I was gay when I was like 10. And I was like, <laughs> when I get married, I'm going to get a skywriter to go across the sky above the beach. Well, everyone's in. The, I, my mom was like, what guy thinks of that? I'm gonna you know? <laughs> so I I'm going think- to have canapes at the very beginning <laughs> of the wedding. I'm going to pass out cannolis. When I really <laughs> When I really think about it, I I truly think that like in my heart of hearts that I might have been bi-romantic and just homosexual always. Wow. Like I think (sighs) that like when I was younger, I could fall in love with a girl and that's what was like confusing for me because like when I was in college, there was this girl I fell in love with her. There's no doubt. Like, you know, I remember being at her wedding and just like feeling the pain of seeing like my wife get married to somebody else, but just not having that sexual desire. Like, and I think that that's how a lot of queer people end up in married relationships and for, and being confused mm. and then in the future end up coming out late in life. But for me, I also had the fact of unaffirming churches and living in the South, like right. growing up in South Florida. Like, mm. I feel like people were accepting, but they weren't. It was always still a bit of a joke. Everyone was like, that shirt is gay. Like, yeah. that, you know, like... uh oh my God, you like country music? That's gay. You Everything was gay. gay. Everything Everything's gay. Gay. was gay. Like, yeah. That was yeah. like a negative thing, you know? And even my mother, who has always been so supportive, was like, if you're gay, if you're a serial killer, if you're a thief, like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I love you no matter what. Like, she was trying to say she loved love you no matter what, but was grouping <laughs> right. it in. With, With a serial, serial killer. Killers, right. other things, you yeah. know? Can I be a gay serial killer? Because those are those, those are around.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I, I just felt like, you know... um where do I belong in this and then even as a person in uh, musical theater I felt different like now we all realize this all this gender construct stuff right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I was like a faggot in my family for liking musicals but I wasn't you know or like for my uncles or whatever but then like amongst gay people I was maybe like a little more butch or something and mm-hmm. like didn't get all of their jokes about like dancing and things that I didn't know then yet, you know? Yeah. And I, so I was like, where do I belong? Like kind of thing. I couldn't understand. Like the one out gay kid in my college had a pride flag canopy over his bed, which like was pretty fierce, but like back for, especially for back then, but intimidating. I was like, that's not me. So who am I? And then it became, it this was. Whole, be- like-
2: it sounds like it was beyond your comfort level
1: about yeah. like who you were. Yeah. But the sex wasn't. I was so excited to try things, and you know, it was also the kind of time where it was like everyone would go to a rave and then do ecstasy, and if you made out with a guy, it was okay. Like it right. wasn't like there was like this like like bi curious coolness thing, mm-hmm. like yeah. this from, from like Kurt Cobain and all these other people, and like Pete Wentz emo, like that yeah. whole kind of yeah, emo mode, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like I remember Details magazine was a big deal for me because it started being like a gay magazine in a way. It was so progressive like you know uh uh glenn o'brien wrote for them and talked about style and then there was like they would say like is it you know uh gay or metrosexual and yeah it was right. it, yeah, it, it was it was cool for guys to to paint their fingernails navy on one hand and i was like mm-hmm. oh and yes i mm-hmm. did that yeah like, i immediately mm-hmm. did that like you know i mean and it was those kind of things that i'm just like you know realizing i had all these kind of gender constructs and things like in my head you know and uh, I think going to conversion therapy was like the first step of me unraveling that because I actually did find out what I wanted to find out by going. Um, I know a lot of people have not had uh, good experiences there. Mine wasn't good by any mm, means, but like yeah. my co host Azariah Southworth on Yas Jesus, his version of conther- conversion therapy was every Sunday his entire team years, he got an exorcism <laughs> from the pastor wow. and, and, and the elders of the church. Like trying to to exercise, drive the gay to drive, to the, drive gay, the gay out of them. Him. Okay, you please. know, and other people have received like my makeup artist has got electric shock when he was younger. Like, mm. like some people have been through some really bad experiences. Yeah, mine was yeah. psychological. The one horrible thing that they did was the one person who really stood by me was my mom. I remember when I was little mm. and I was buying skates. All the kids there was like a skate craze, like in you know Brooklyn, and everyone yeah. like when we lived in Brooklyn and everybody was skating everywhere. And so I went and picked out white Care Bear skates. Yes. And then like I was riding in them the next day. This is like 1984, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like skating around in them and stuff. And one of my mom's girlfriends was like, why did you get him white skates? Like, look, all and, and all the kids were like, girls have white skates. Uh-huh. And I looked around. And every girl had white skates and yeah. every guy had black skates. I right. didn't even know that.
0: Yeah. And
1: my mom was like, Leave him the fuck alone. That's the skates he wants. You know? Good. We like, yeah, yeah. It's just skates. Like good, And good. I was like, Yeah, it's just skates. Like I I, I, I didn't really kind of pin it to sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. but those were the signs, you know, those are the things about me that just like That short. you were
2: drawn to as a child, yeah. It like. Yeah. yeah, I loved yeah.
1: Ben Midler and Carl Burnett, but I, <laughs> yes. but I didn't want to play catch with my dad. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I carried around <laughs> my cabbage patch doll like a live <laughs> human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my, 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 the only thing I could have done is fed it milk for my teeth. Oh my <laughs> god, I love tip. that. I remember I remember when I was in
0: seventh grade, me and my family went on a cruise down to the Bahamas, and I got like, I think like a total of like eight braids in my hair oh, with like living. the little beads. <laughs> living. And I remember going back to school and my tan was fierce, and I had the braids with the colored beads, and I thought I was literally killing it. The and earbuds. they were like just like nothing, nice braids bag. And I'm like, Jesus. I know, I isn't know. it
2: funny? It's like as a kid, you kind of like this is the old this is the angriest I ever got at my father. You know, we adopted our kid when he was five and he lost his mother. And so he was attracted to a lot of feminine things. We would say, pick out a nightlight. He picked out Tinkerbell, pick out a sippy cup and he would pick out Minnie Mouse. So he was attracted to the feminine because that's what he was missing, being raised by two guys. Mm, So his his lovey toy was Jesse from Toy Story.
1: Oh. And oh, um,
2: so we're, and, and, and because he, his both his dads are queer, we never were gonna go, don't pick out a girl's doll. It was like, right. pick out the doll you want. So we went to visit my father in Las Vegas and we walk into my father's, my father walks into her hotel room, sees my kid with a Jessie doll. And he goes, why does he have a girl's doll? That's a girl's doll. And I yanked him by the arm pulled him into the bathroom, got into his face like Teamster style. And I was like, he can have whatever kind of dog he <laughs> yes! wants. No, oh Period. End of subject. Do not bring this up yeah. again. And I had murder in my eyes. Yeah. Because it was like, I'm not having it. So th- this is my thing. But conversion therapy, the end game is you do this therapy and you're going to come out a heterosexual,
1: right? Yeah, but I didn't realize that. See, what I did was I... Um, My grandmother, when I told her my plan, she had like a bookmark in the Bible and she was like, look, I just think, and I was like, oh my God, do you think I'm gay? Ah!" And I like freaked out, like, <laughs> and i prayed in her bathroom which to me was a very holy space cuz my nana still to this day is our big prayer warrior 90 years mm-hmm. old still with mm-hmm. us. god bless oh, wow but like like i was on the i was like in her bathroom and i was like god i am coming to you right now as like your son and i am opening up the clouds in the heavens and i'm staring at you right in the face and i'm telling you right now that if you don't want me to be gay then bring me a woman that i could give everything that she needs and she could return it to me i'm like but if you don't do that then i'm going to know that you want me to be this way and i'm going to spend the rest Ooh. of my life trying to figure out why I was like, because I'm done playing, like, you know, Yes, challenge authority, (laughs) challenge authority. And then, so immediately my grandma was like, do you want me to talk to the pastor about this? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And she did. And the next week she was like, the pastor said, he doesn't really know much about this, but someone coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidences, especially spiritually. He was like, came in and just spoke to him about something like this and gave him this card and he doesn't know the guy, but maybe it'll help you kind of thing. So I don't blame anyone. Like, even the way that was framed to me, I don't blame the pastor, my nana, nothing. I got the card. I called it. The guy called me in. Now, the first thing I do is fill out this test. And it's like every fifth question is like a hidden gay agenda question. It's like Uh, Finish this sentence. Clang,
2: (laughs) clang, clang. went (laughs) No, like, honestly, it it
1: was like so bad. It was like, question number one, have you ever sold anything over $500? Question number two, like, have you ever committed suicide? question number three like are you a meat eater question number four it's like you know uh uh, do you have allies in your life? It was like, question number five, our penis is pretty. And then, like, as I started going through, like, like yeah, duh. <laughs> like, every question number five was, like, super gay. And I was like, should I just be filling out all the fives? Like Yeah. So, whatever, I filled out the whole thing. So that had, doesn't like,
2: even sound cl- uh, slick. Our penis is pretty. I, I want to know what are the what are the no, other no, gay that's questions. That's
0: yeah.
1: Like. How do I look stuff, in this?
2: Yeah. Are <laughs> like my seams showing? You find the <laughs> <naked>. <laughs>
1: do you find yourself finding the male naked form arousing or things like that? Mm, like, really? Right. Yeah, like, right. Okay. Anyway, like, did um, you answer it? Did you answer it? Honestly? Yes. Except for the parts where it asked if I had ever had experiences yet. I, uh-huh. cause I had a few things that happened in college that I was like, no, 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 mm. no. You know, like I didn't want to write down what I was doing for fear that there could be retaliation even yeah. like, you know, like what if I'm outing myself and all of a sudden I'm gonna be surrounded by eight people in suits or something? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. I really. This place was also kind of like, as you expect it to be. Like, he just rented like probably an office in some random office park. So uh, it's like at five, nine at night, nobody's there. All coming into the building, and was it like, was it
2: religious? Was it a faith based conversion therapy? It was. was it and the guy okay.
1: was a girl. He was like a he was a sister oh he was gay
2: yeah all the ex-gays are totally gay like anytime they like come to our conversion therapy thing you know it's just kind of like girl he was like
1: listen sit down let's have our conversation like (laughs) just really like that right and so he's getting like not the stereotype but i was Uh like okay cool like this guy's gonna know if i'm gay or not okay like read me sis you know like yeah. yeah and he he just was like he first of all he was like I gave him a whole bunch of spiels and I told him about all this stuff, especially how open my mom always was with me. Mm-hmm. My mom's feelings on sex were like, if they're old enough to ask like what it is, then I should tell them, you know, mm. and kids were talking about blowjobs. And my mom was like, you're going to think this is disgusting. I think I was like seven or nine or whatever. I don't even know how old I was. She was like, but it's a sexual thing that when you're married and two people love each other, they do to each other. And it sounds so gross now. So I don't want to tell you yet. And I was like, okay. But then when it got to the point where like, no, tell me, you know, she was like, this is what it is. Just blatant. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. i was like, yeah, she's like, I told you, you know, but like later on, you'll understand. So now go back and play like, you know, kind of thing. So he didn't like that. He said that my mom was too open with me about sexuality. Uh, and like that maybe she promoted things because of things I had told her or whatever. wow And so he said to me, the, these words that I was just dying to hear, he was like, you're not gay. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, thank you. He goes, I have gay clients. He's like, and you're not gay. And I was like, oh, you have gay clients. I was like, you know, and he kept talking. And I'm like, so other gay people come in here. I wonder what they look like. Maybe I should wait in the parking lot. Like, you know, what? Yeah. your mind is just like constantly like other gay people, you know? And so he was like, uh, you're not gay. He's like, you're having gay thoughts because your mother told you all this stuff. And you need to tell your mom that you're having bi curious feelings and that it's her fault and she needs to stop. <gasps> wow. And so I was like, okay. And then I was but just like- But this
2: isn't based on any empirical- well, psychological practice or you know, anything brought, i mean it's it not was always brought, no. was always
1: scripture involved there was always other things misuse of scripture yes things like you know just things like that 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 stuff didn't really get to me because i you like all, through all of this my faith never wavered this yeah. isn't a problem that i'm having with god this is a problem i'm having with someone not being able to give me the answer okay. that i want so
2: after after okay you're going to this like once a week for nine months when does the tide start to turn what is there a instantly. moment where
1: you... instantly? Instantly, okay. I said to him, I broke down a little bit and I started to cry and I was like, almost like hyperventilating a little bit. And I just was like, I'm just so nervous about, it. and he was like, what is your problem? And he goes, you know, he goes, you know, I was just talking to my wife the other day and I go, your wife. And he goes, yeah, I'm married with two children. I used to be gay. And I was like, used to be gay. I was like, <laughs> look, I don't know if I'm gay, but for shit show, sure, I know you're gay. You yeah. Know what you like? yeah, yeah, it takes one to like, know was, one, lady. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what's going on? And he was like, well, I used to be gay. This is like an ex-gay situation. Like, I'm trying to help you get rid of those feelings. And I was like, no, that's not what I came here for. And he was, he was like, well, what are you afraid of? And I said, honestly, that I'm going to go to hell. He's like, you're not going to go to hell. And I was like, I'm not. And he goes, no, he goes, you could be sucking a dick and the second coming of Christ could happen at that moment and you'll still go to heaven because you believe in God. It's not about your actions. And I was like, oh, it's not?
0: I was like, <laughs> That's like the only permission you needed to hear was you like, can suck a dick and go And then two minutes later, heaven. he oh, had a dick
2: like, in his mouth. It was kinda of like, I grabbed one right like, out of the
1: window. I literally went home, went on AOL, found a guy, and lost my virginity. Oh, like, yeah, that That's fantastic. Yeah. In that moment. And, you know, it wasn't ideal. <laughs> I purposely chose someone that I wasn't attracted to because I was like, at least if I, you know, what if I would like them? Like, I was like, I want to just feel it and see what right. it feels like and make the mistake with someone that I don't care about. Like, yeah. wait, so I, wait,
2: wait, 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 stop.
1: Horrible logic. Horrible. Purposefully
2: pick somebody you weren't attracted to. Yeah. So was it a woman? <laughs> was it? No,
1: it's it? like it was like at the t- like I love my bears. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. At the time that I was like 21, I had like still had the fantasy that I wanted to be like, I loved like twinks and I thought, you know, so this was like an older bearish guy. Okay. But now like it's totally like You'd awesome be like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like, at the end of the spaghetti meal. <laughs> <laughs> but like I but back then I was just like scared of older people and you know I wanted to just like try someone my age, but instead I went to like somebody who I guess was at the yeah. time like like you know, probably like a late 30s bear. Um, can I say her. something
2: one second? It, it's like uh, California, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, outlawing conversion therapy. I think we wow. might be the uh, first state to kind of because there have it's been the abuses first. in the it's system. It's legal in
1: like 33 states now. Like it's, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, but I do. I did uh, work with a queer youth who was from Texas. And he said that when he was going to conversion therapy and it was the same thing. He's like, I, di- I didn't like gay. I wasn't. I was. A, he goes, he was a total jock. He was a basketball kid, he was like a good kid. He was a kid that you always introduced, uh, people always introduced their daughters to him. He was an all-American jock and Mm -hmm. he didn't think that he was gay, so he went to conversion therapy. And when he went to conversion therapy, he would, every time, he told me every time conversion therapy was done, and it was a faith-based conversion therapy, he would go home and he would cut himself. Mm. He would, oh. he's, He started cutting himself pretty regularly until he was like completely lacerated because it was just mm. kind of like the release yeah. of it. And he finally went and then on the he said on the days that he didn't go, he felt no interest in cutting at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And finally, he brought it up to the pastor. Every time I go to this, I cut myself. And the pastor said to him, that is better than being gay. Wow, your cool. self harm is more pleasing is is less is less deleterious to you in the eyes yeah. of God, and then, and he said that was when it was like I'm done. I can't believe in a God that would make you me want to do this.
1: In the intro, Alec, that really stuck with me, where you were just like in in the church, like they don't even let you touch the Bible; they're reading from it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's not what it's that's not how it's supposed to be used see that's something that's the bible is a reflective text like you're supposed to study it and go through it yourself and it's only supposed to mean something to you so mm-hmm. to have a person that's like a conduit between you and the word is so bizarre yeah but that's how we were specialty. raised right I know, the catholic church it is the catholic church and i know there's a lot of wonderful devout amazing catholic people but mm-hmm. i feel like the catholic church is this whole construct That like all of the, there's so many different things in there, like sacraments and things that aren't even in the Bible that the church decides and makes up at a whim. Like Mm -hmm. the Pope, the Pope could be like, oh, uh, gay people are great. No one should be made sick or kicked out over it. And the next minute the Vatican will like arm press him and make him release some statement saying that like uh, gay is being gay is sin and they won't bless same-sex unions. It's like, it's more of a political system. They're the number one real estate holder. It's a lot of money and power. There's a lot of money and power that go into that, that I don't think, belongs in my own personal version of yeah and it's so
2: random i mean i remember going to my current first confession when i was seven mm-hmm, <laughs> and i was no. thinking why am i confess because they said seven is the age of reason <laughs> meaning that is the age where you know right Says from wrong who, and having Alex, said that he,
1: he, like the there's church innocent 7 year old on a farm right now and then there's a seven-year-old in new york city that's like lighting a cigarette off his boot right. like there's different types of kids everywhere and i yeah. think that like that's the problem, okay? What's missing from the church's perspective and especially queer perspective, which is why on our show, Yash Jesus, we shine a rainbow light on some of these things. Mm. Some of these obvious things. There's an incredible gay love story between David and Jonathan in the Bible that like literally puts Game of Thrones to shame. Like I get mm. hot when I read it. Mm. Read First Samuel as a gay man and you'll see a love between two men. It says their souls were knit when they met each other. David was like this hot twink fighter that just defeated Goliath. And Jonathan was like, the next in line to be king of israel and like his father just didn't approve of it kept trying to kill david they kept sneaking away kissing removing their loincloths to each other like um i don't remember that being read to me no yeah. of course yes. it wasn't you're I'm not, a not a allowed to hear story. that that. <laughs> do you want to know something that's so fucked up too that there's another amazing story between two women where which may or may not be perceived as lesbian but it's definitely full wholehearted love which is ruth and naomi and ruth and naomi were uh, a daughter-in-law and mother-in-law but the son and the children had all died and it was just them left over and she converted so they could stay together and travel together and she was gonna uh marry ruth's uncle who was like an elderly uncle almost maybe even the first example of sex work really like where she was like one of the first examples where she was gonna sleep with this man in order to restore their faith in humanity like the covenant of love between Ruth and Naomi and the covenant of love between David and Jonathan are the only covenants of love that unite two people in the Bible and they're read at every heterosexual way.
0: Wow, wow, that's amazing! It sounds. Wow. I love the way that you're able to actually um, be really plugged into kind of like what you believe, to, like the truest meaning of religion and spirituality for you. And here's the thing, I'm, though.
1: It's some of it's also archaeology, though, Matthew. Some of it's like just obvious. Like they say, yeah. in, they say in the Bible sometimes that certain uh, temples were built out of marble and gold, but then you go to Israel and there's no marble and gold. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And
2: I like that. There was a meme posted recently that was like true. Like I never even thought of it before. There's no white people in the Bible.
1: Yeah, maybe right. Romans, right, yeah. There's no
2: white people in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and then that same aspect, if you think about Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Coat, hey, uh-huh. she even has a musical, but they're framing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Whenever that story is told to us, it's told that Joseph had this beautiful coat that his dad gave him because he was the favorite son, mm-hmm. and everyone was jealous that he was the favorite son, mm. so they stole the coat from him and sent him off into slavery. No, 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 no. Joseph is described in the book of Enoch, which is outside of the Bible, but around the time, like an almanac, talking about how he was hairless and sensitive, which is a very big deal. Because in the Bible, they talk about Samson being hairy, all these kind of hair, muscly, hairy, hairy. And he was sweet, sensitive and hairless and had long hair and was given not a coat, but according to 86 AD, a ketanet pasim which is directly only used one other place in the Bible to describe a dress that a virginal princess is given on her Ooh, wedding day. Oh,
2: he was—he was, he got a princess dress. She was genderqueer. <laughs>
1: yeah. Joseph was genderqueer and wearing yeah. a rainbow princess dress. And that makes so much sense. Like, he went out to the field while his brothers were working in the heat, is showing up in this rainbow dress like JVN, and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. If, if somebody really wanted that coat, they would have taken the now, coat. Now, now that story makes sense. Yeah. And, and if somebody really wanted the coat, which is what they all tell us, then they would have not ripped it and poured blood all over it. Yeah, Like it was not. really more about him being genderqueer. And to even think that Joseph could have been a trans woman of color and that these people are being told that their perspectives are not allowed in the church and they're not allowed in the Bible when it's in the word. It's just people aren't reading it that way because they're having, letting someone else do the reading for them. You're was this something, what,
0: Dana, was this something that you did at your own individual deep dive on or did you, did you find other people that you were able to- You, you know, I'm from? really,
1: this has been like during- Quarantine really that I'm getting this deep into at least the, the biblical aspect of it I've always been uh-huh. close to God and Christ but like I feel like I um David and Jonathan woke me up so bad because I re- the same bible that drove me to conversion therapy was the same bible that I was reading this amazing gay love story in uh. and it's a physical same copy and so I'm just like I'm just looking at it different. It's almost like you're holding a piece of, of clear glass and you're like, there's nothing in it It's clear Till so you hold it up to the light and the rainbow comes out. Yeah.
2: All right, listen, we have a lot of people listening to you and a lot of people look up to you as an activist. And my question is, after the conversion therapy, after the discussion, where do where you arrive at the place where like, I'm gay and this is all right? Do you remember that moment?
1: for me the uh, it started around prop eight you know at the mm-hmm. time i like you know was wanting to get married to my boyfriend and it, was, it felt very personal and i did all the protests and i felt like i was showing up as a voice where it mattered and people weren't like outing me and putting me on in the inquirer because i was like in the front of the picket lines but i wasn't mm-hmm. exactly like saying i'm gay i wasn't uh, donating my time to our our community's causes like you know i had the, i was listening to. Uh, Deepak Chopra and Oprah's 30 day meditation challenge. Oh yeah, And like one of the days I didn't—I made it through like 18 of them, to be honest, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I slept through a lot of them, but one of the days, um, cause they're soothing. Uh, yeah. one of, mm. and it's just like yoga, your body needs it. Yeah. No, yes. uh, like, <laughs> no, I, um, one of them was about living a life of service. And I really thought to myself, like, what do I actually do? Like, I call myself a Christian. I think I'm a nice person. I say that I'm giving, but I don't do anything for the community. Like, hmm. anything. Like, everything is self-serving. My whole career is, like, my headshots, my name, my comedy. my I was like, what else could I do? So I started volunteering. I did volunteer match. And I started, like, reaching out and canvassing for Obama at the time and doing other things like, and that got me involved politically, that got me involved, like, humanitarian-wise with things, and I started seeing, like, such a return on my investment of giving, Mm. like, my, like, giving of my time just brought good people into my life, and I and taught me things, and, like, you know, um, I got, I I got more into, into the earth, and, like, learning, like, you could learn about God from, from gardening, because it's, like, you learn patience from seeds, and persistence from grass, and, like, you know, like all about love with all the kind of different flowers there are like some are, you know, you're like, why is that guy with that bitch and then you realize it's like a desert flower that blooms for only him at midnight, you know what I mean like, it just depends on what it's worth to you and like what kind of like, so I got like really in tune with myself and really in tune with God by giving. I like, mm. you know, experience a life of being of self selflessness. And then are in the 10th anniversary of Mean Girls. Mean, it was like the first big time that Mean Girls was being acknowledged as like a classic, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it had been an old movie up until the 10th anniversary. And then mm-hmm. it became like this, like standalone, like, you know, whatever. And um, I got a letter from someone who said, I don't know if you're gay or not. And it doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, my God, it matters so much. And then it was and then I was like, I'm going to come out. And then I kept reading and he said. I don't know if you're gay or not. It doesn't matter. But when I was in middle school, I was in eighth grade. I was beat up for being chubby and tortured for being a sissy. And then your movie came out. And then on the first day of my freshman year ninth grade, the popular senior girls in the school walked up to me and said, you're like Damien. Come sit with us. And he was like, Uh. thank you. He was like, thank you so much for giving me something in media that I could point to and say, that's me and be proud. And Ugh. changed my high school career. And I'm forever grateful. And it was so I powerful. I just got chills. Yeah, I got to, And my me eyes too. are welling up yeah. a It was bit. so powerful yeah. to me. I just couldn't handle it. And I came out in this letter to Damien, like explaining that, like, I felt so uncomfortable. I, I was meeting this gay. I had not auditioned for a gay role ever until Damien. And then after that. Like, I was going in for the stuff I normally went in for. Like, I tested on Entourage as Turtle and was going in for all these things. And then all those parts, they wouldn't let me even, like, be oh, seen. Wow. Everything was like, he has a feather boa and lashes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it just <laughs> went to, like, you know, all these... And, 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 the, and the stuff in 2004 wasn't as progressive as now. The storylines weren't there, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just kind of shied away. I did a couple of things that were, like, really random. Like, I spit in a grave where I play this crazy rapist. Because for somehow, playing a rapist is better than playing another queer person like mm. I don't know like where and it started to eat away at me like I started to get into this whole kind of thing so I left the business and I started working with Allie Willis who I think we are mutual friends with uh before yeah she was, when she was still with us
2: yeah and passed um, away.
1: and I used to film for her and I was like kind of like her creative director for like a couple of years and i was like i'm gonna get in this way i'm gonna go make a movie about this woman and or do some project with her and we'll win an emmy or an oscar and then i'll be back and then i'll start doing movies again i'm and i get offers so i'll wait for an offer like i'm like i'm just gonna like Mm -hmm. i get offers like you know two three times a year not like for like every five minutes like everybody else but like it's like hey if i sit around like one will come and i could just be artistic and survive and i'm gonna do that because all this is bullshit and then I, when I then I got offered Looking, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I, what? Ha- it was so amazing how that happened because my friend Lori Lori Melkin, who's a casting director in New York City, and I were hanging out and smoking weed and hang, you know, and <laughs> she, she was like, "Are you watching Looking?" And I was like, "No," I was like, "There's not really guys like me on shows like that." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Well, why don't you mm-hmm. be the guy on the show like you?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "It doesn't work like that." Or I'd be on American Horror Story or whatever that hell. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, why don't you just write the casting director a letter? And I was like, hmm, let me look it up, see who casts it. And it was Carmen Cuba who discovered me for my first movie. Billy. Oh, my God. Wow. And I was like, oh, I could talk to her. I know her. Really yeah, yeah, well. yeah. She discovered me, like, in yeah. a club. Like, and in the gay club for a straight role. Somebody right. who would, like, really understand me, you know? And so... Um, I at the time I knew they were going to be doing all these where are they now type things. Right, right. They always got them wrong. It was like a picture of me from like a million years ago. So mm. I was sending, <laughs> I, I was like I was serving like man bear realness. So they weren't like getting man barrel daddy real. Right, so right, right. I did all these photo shoot stuff, which actually led to a modeling career, ironically. But I just was mm. like. I'm going to do all these photo shoots. So I shot all over Detroit when I was with Allie and I shot all over. And then I hit up um, Carmen. I was like, hey, if you ever need a sexy bear for your show. And I sent her all these shoots. Right. Lo and behold, they were looking for a bear. It was one of their biggest critiques from the season one that there was nobody more cuddly. And there's so there's nobody cuddly and there were no Asian people that took place in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, <it> was. <laughs> there wasn't. Yeah. Jonathan Groff's co-worker, his best friend at work is Asian. his
2: co-worker. His coworker.
1: Oh, okay. Um, he wasn't, no, he not... wasn't a living, oh, okay.
2: breathing homosexual.
1: <laughs> okay. He was like,
2: he had two <laughs> lines per episode. Listen, I this is I feel like this is part one of our conversation because <laughs> you're so much about like body and spirituality and uh it, it's I wanna talk to you more and more and more, but we're we're running out of time. And I absolutely adore you. Um we usually end our show, we wrap it up with, with a hot message and you've given us so many hot messages today, but if there's somebody struggling with their sexuality or, or is thinking about conversion therapy or is questioning that, do you have a message to them? Somebody who may have gone through the same questioning Mm -hmm. you went through?
1: Yeah. I just think that like, think about your most prized possession in your life, like whatever it Your it could be anything. It could be like your Louis Vuitton bag. It could be like your, your baby nephew, it doesn't matter. And would you let somebody take that away from you? Like, and so why would you let someone take away God from you? Which really should be like your most precious thing. Like, mm-hmm. like God has done so much in my life and has filled my life so much that nobody should take God away from you just because you're gay and who you love. God doesn't want that. That's mm-hmm. man telling you something that God wants for you. Mm-hmm. So that God loves you unbelievably. You And even if your parents don't agree, you're on loan to your parents from God. God loan children to their parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like your parents don't even have a say in that. Just trust me. And I also think as a queer Christian, it's a lot of our responsibility to save our parents who are true Christians who just don't know any better because they've Mm -hmm. been taught wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that's part of our journey and part Mm -hmm. of our big contribution to Christianity is gay people are going to change that way.
2: We change our families. I absolutely agree. Daniel, where can our listeners uh, find you on your
1: social medias? You could find me at What's Up Danny on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, BlackPeopleMeet.com, JJ, Christian Mingle, Farmers <laughs> Only, and Venmo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and yes, Jesus, your and podcast. Yes, Jesus Pod. Yeah. Com.
1: Please Absolutely. leave us a praise report or a prayer request.
2: <laughs> All right. We love you, Daniel. I love you unconditionally. And I'll see you soon, okay? Thanks, Thanks Daniel.
1: Yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks, you.
2: Bye, honey. wow, Um, wow, golly, Matt, now I want to read the Bible. I had no idea there were so many homoerotic stories in the Bible. I didn't either,
0: I mean, it's, yeah, I should have stayed awake in C C (laughs) D I think I missed those parts.
2: Yeah, yeah. I should have. Yeah. While I was looking at other people's erasers and pencils, I could have been listening to a to a hot gay love story. What's 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 your hot message of the day? Mm, I think my hot message,
0: and it's something that I'm taking from Daniel, and, and uh, a lot of what he was sharing. The thing that stood out for me was that he used so much of his own critical thinking. Like at the Mm. end of the day, he still relied on his own internal compass. And I think it's easy for us to look around at everybody else around us for answers and nobody's the authority on us, but us. So learning how to actually trust that, get still within yourself and trust that and let that be the thing that guides you. It's the very thing it sounds like that has brought Daniel to kind of like all the openness and success Um, that he's been able to find. So I would say fucking ride that wave.
2: Yeah. And the thing that like got me was that him portraying somebody, him portraying somebody who was authentic to himself, even if he was in a space, meant so much to other people. Yeah. And you translate that to your real life about if you bring your authentic self into the room... Twenty-four-seven, it lifts other people up. Yep. There could you—you you have no idea what other people are going through. And if there's somebody struggling, and they're seeing you as confident and happy, and yes. and happy in your own skin, then he, it gives them permission to do the same.
0: Totally, yeah. Don't ever dull your shine because if you can shine real bright, then everybody else can bask in the glow.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a message I want beat into me. <laughs> Hammered even. Hammered into me by <laughs> Matt Dempsey. Where can people find you on your socials, big boy? You can find me at MJ Dempsey
0: Psych on Instagram, Twitter. Matthew J Dempsey uh, Psychotherapy on Facebook.
2: Um, you can find me at Alec Mapa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at uh, Stage 29 Podcasts on the Twitter. DM us. Let us know what you're thinking about. We love answering questions on the yeah. air. We got to come up with merch or something. Giveaways. <laughs> yes. We read your question on the air. Uh, Don't forget to download and subscribe. We are the mental health podcast that's going to save the world one hot mess at a time. (laughs) Tune in next week. We'll have more hot mess fun. Bye bye. Bye, guys.
0: This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.